Welcome to the Runaways After Show podcast, the weekly discussion of Marvel's Runaways on Hulu. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson from DuelingGenre.com. I'm Jason Hammonds from ThatMightBeCool.com. And I'm Scott Corelli from DuelingGenre.com. And today we are discussing episode one, uh, Reunion, written and direct, well, written by Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage and directed by Brett Morgan. Awesome. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm stoked. The show's finally here. The wait's over. That, all that teen angst and, and sexual tension is, is upon <laughs> us at last. This, I, this <laughs> has been a long time coming because, you know, I think one of the things that we didn't talk about in our first episode was the fact that, um, did we, did we talk about that? Like Marvel tried to make a movie. Is that one of the things that we talked about? We kind yeah, of we mentioned it. talked about yeah. it. We missed I it. Think. Yeah. So I feel like I just been waiting for this since, you know, since BKV was hired to write the screenplay in 2008. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. just, I was almost, you know, that's almost 10 years ago now. And, uh, we finally have a, a version of this on screen, <laughs> which is just, oh my man. So cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And I think uh, for me, at least, it feels like Hulu is, is such a perfect place to have it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, uh, I'm very excited for the, the potential of a series like this. You know, we've seen how successful shows like Riverdale uh, have been for the CW. And I think having Runaways on Hulu sort of, you know, A, uh, tying into the Marvel brand, B, having that sort of like kind of teen genre niche there. Uh, but also being on a on a streaming service, I don't know. It, it feels like a perfect storm to have a very uh, successful show, mm-hmm. right? Also, given the, I think, the creators, I think yeah. like being on Hulu allows them to have a little more creativity and leeway with what they're doing, as opposed to being on like a network. Too. Yeah. So I'm really excited about it. It certainly allows them to uh, get a lot of uh, Lyft sponsorships, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I the the live sponsorship thing I think is so funny because uh it's it feels honest because oh, yeah. all the people I know in LA have stopped using Uber. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's... So so that everyone using Lyft, I was like, wow, this is the first time that I've seen like a reference to a, a, a like a modern piece of technology that's ac- actually accurate, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like we were still getting TV shows like three years ago referencing MySpace, and it's yeah. like okay, <laughs> no, totally, uh, yeah. I mean, it, I can definitely speak to the Lyft thing. It's all it, like it's a weird thing now in LA when someone calls an Uber rather than a Lyft. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, oh, someone's using Uber, <laughs> <You're> right? <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I just, it was like, it was the one piece of like significant product placement that I was like, huh, okay, well, I'm fine with that. It, you know, cause it's, it's, it's not annoying Michael Bay transforming Xbox, uh, right. product placement. It's more like, oh yeah, it's actually a thing that I guess works pretty well for, uh, for the story. Right. It's, it's, a, it's not, a thing, it's it, not Peter Parker using Bing instead of Google. Right. Like. <laughs> right. It, it's a thing that we, that we actually use and that is how we refer to it. It's not like when we say, you know, we're going to get a lift. It, it's not like we don't, you know, we don't say we're going to get a ride share, uh, <laughs> right, you, right. you know, <laughs> we call you it don't? a lift. So it's, no, no, oh. actually I don't. I say ride share um, every time. That's Can really I get a ride share service, please? You do that, Jason. I don't <laughs> know why. I don't know why you do that. That's really strange. I would like one ride share, please. <laughs> <laughs> Can I order a ride share? Just one <laughs> extra large. Um, so let's get let's get into this uh, this first episode because uh, the thing that I, I think struck me right off the bat from the cold open, uh, it's sort of as 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 and, and tell me if I'm alone in this, but like as 
uh, someone who you know read and loved the comic series, and we talked about in our first episode, we were wondering how they were going to tackle this as a TV show versus a comic. And I remember us thinking, like, I mean, there's, it's not like there's any way they can do an issue, an episode. That's ridiculous. Right. Totally. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> turns out uh, that's exactly what they're kind of doing. And, Decompression. Yeah. And, but it works. It yep. works. And what I'm, I'm so impressed by in this first episode is we're being introduced to – uh, who will you know to destiny? Who will be uh, our our sacrifice? Uh, the pride sacrifice at the end of this episode, and uh, she is a runaway. Mm-hmm. And I I was just kind of struck by how smart that is because we didn't really know anything about her in the comic. You know, yeah, uh, she was just some ra- like the thing that was horrifying wasn't that we knew anything about this character; it was that they were murdering someone, right. Um, and so the fact that w- the decompression allows her to be a runaway uh, actually helps things. And, uh, th- you know, we- we're only talking about the first episode here, mm-hmm. uh, but but it also adds uh, some cool stuff to the second episode that we'll talk about later. But I-, I just was really impressed by this opening scene, and it really struck me that um, it just felt confident in a way where I, I was like, okay, I'm I'm in very good hands. Totally. I, uh, I think that the, the, the decompression absolutely does benefit the show. There's so much more, you know, like leading up to sort of what happens at the end of the episode, there's so much more character development for, for each of these kids. You know, you kind of like we get a chance to get to know them a lot more before things kind of go crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. in the first issue of the comic, you know, it's like you've got 22 pages and by the end there's got to be a compelling hook. So you don't have too much time to like really get into like, you know, who these characters are and what they do. Uh, whereas in the pilot episode, you know, you've got 50 minutes to, to work with where you can actually like set everything up and talk about it. And, and the thing that I really enjoyed uh, that they, that they brought in to kind of unify these characters and I guess give a compelling like uh, reason for why they broke apart and why they would come together is, is introducing uh, this uh, Amy, you know, the sister of, of Nico Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and talking about her dying, I thought that was a great sort of addition to the story to make everything kind of fit together in a certain way. Um, yeah, the thing I think the thing that I'm most impressed with um, in the first three episodes, but the first one especially, is they changed enough that I am surprised, and it feels very fresh and exciting mm-hmm. um, to people who have read the comic. But at the same time, it doesn't compromise with the source material, and I feel like it's still very true to it. And it's this really, really good balance of let's expand on all of these characters, let's introduce um, these like traumatic things that happened to more than one of them, and see how that plays out over the course of the show and i'm like super super into that because like we talked about a a little on the the our pilot episode like i had no idea what they're doing with molly um but it was very interesting that her her parents aren't in the picture anymore which is like Mm -hmm. fascinating like i don't that was one of my big questions that that sort of you know hopefully like got a little bit answered uh as we moved on in episodes but like after the first episode i was like wait a minute what like yeah what what happened why are what's with her parents what (laughs) Mm -hmm. i i absolutely loved that 
Uh, mm. and, and the reason is because she, it allows her to be a mutant like she is in the comics without having to explain that she's a mutant because her parents are dead. So she has no answer as to like what she is or mm-hmm. why. Yeah. And that was... That was like a big question that I had. I was like, I that's I, I felt like that was probably the big you know the business reason why they they wrote out her parents was to avoid uh, having to navigate around the M word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely, but it but it also as we find out later, it also adds a little bit of intrigue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, to Absolutely. to the to the the relationship between uh, the members of the pride. Yeah. So, so I did, I did want to go like back to like the very beginning and just point out mm-hmm. that I, I really love the Marvel title card that they've been using in the TV shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, for whatever reason, I really, really, really don't like the new title card for the movies ever since they changed to like that weird, like very grandiose and like, you know, oh, the, yeah, the vanity, the set. vanity plate. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I love the, the, just the pages flipping the very simple, like pages flipping, it fades to the logo and then it's done. Like it's such a nice little elegant, uh, title card. I don't know. That's like, yeah. that's the one that gets me excited when I watch a Marvel show. I'm like, Ooh, yeah, here we go. Yeah. How do we, uh, how do we feel about the, the, uh, opening title sequence of this show? Because personally, uh, I, I'm a big fan of opening title sequences, and the, and the thing that I really like about this one is uh, the sort of subtlety. Like it, yes. it definitely sets up the uh, the the sort of the the setting and location and a little bit of the tone of the show. But mm-hmm. then it's also every image that you're seeing is a sort of hint or double meaning to one of our characters and. Mm-hmm. I just think that that was really smart and a really, I don't know, uh, just like a really cool way of of uh, coming up with a title uh, title sequence for this for this show because I was I was afraid we were going to get something kind of boring like most of the superhero shows that are out there mm-hmm. um, on regular TV, which is literally just a title card and that's it. <laughs> uh, and and so I I was I was happy that we were getting a a full uh, title sequence. And I think that it's more interesting than the ones on, say, the the Marvel Netflix shows, which I watch once and then usually skip the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this one, I actually watched all three times. Really, I see. It's funny because I'm actually I'm I'm uh, I'm the opposite with the Marvel Netflix shows. I I I've usually loved those uh, those title sequences, and I always watch them, especially like the mm. Daredevil one. I don't know that one really gets me. Um, the Daredevil one's probably my favorite of them yeah yeah uh however i i i do agree with you that like i really enjoyed the uh the title sequence on this show i thought i like the music and and sort of the yeah. style of it all i i yeah i super enjoyed it yeah i i like how grown up it feels because it mm-hmm. is so subtle like the dinosaur floating makes me laugh every time but mm-hmm. at the same time like i love the i think my favorite is like the shadow um, and it looks like mm. the, the staff of one, but it's like a fence post or something. Yeah. It's, oh, it's so good. I love all the symbolism and I'm really excited, like, to see how that unfolds in future episodes. Cause, like, the first time, like, I saw the obvious stuff, but then, like, as I watched it over and over again, I was like, oh, that's the symbol for the church and all this, all this stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. And the, oh, the yeah. church is another thing that, uh, that I think we'll get to as well. Um, mm-hmm. Well, we I, might as well. I mean, it's in the it's in the cold open, so we can we can. I, I I think the best way to probably tackle this show is to really just sort of take it apart 
uh, piece by piece rather than like kind of go Jump in order. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. Um, so, so maybe, uh, maybe let's start with the with the Church of Gaborim, uh, because. What I was struck by and what I think is really smart, I remember one of the things that uh, Cass was hesitant about was uh, the way that it seemed the 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 pride and the Church of Gaborum was being uh, treated, uh, you know, when watching the, the trailer. Um, mm-hmm. It was like a little a little too culty. Um, but I, I'll be honest, watching it this way, like watching it with the context of everything, it felt like they were. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to put, uh, you know, uh, uh, words in their mouth or whatever, but um, metaphor in their mouth. Uh, but it seems like they are making a very uh, hard stance on Scientology. Uh, yes, to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. What would ever give you that idea? Considering yeah. the show's uh, set in L.A. and that one of the guys <laughs> is an actor. <laughs> uh, but he is not in the Church of Scientology. Um, he is. Uh, or maybe he is, but he's not in the Church of Gaborum. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's episode two. But yes, uh, I, I I just really liked how it was executed and it, and it felt it felt culty, but not not in like a in like that sort of creepy regular way. Yeah, where it feels like, like mainstream culty instead of yeah. like secret culty. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, and I I enjoyed. I mean, I enjoyed the the twist on it too. Like you know, kind of translating stuff from the comics. Uh, you know, taking the the Gaborum stuff and turning it into like this this religion culty thing. And then also, I mean, even with the Pride as well. Like having the Pride be this actual like public organization that's supposed to be like a charitable thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It was a very kind of interesting twist because i mean as far as i recall and and i could be wrong but as far as i recall that was not really the way that either of those were portrayed in the comics before Mm -mm. but i I think that it was a great translation uh for the medium to kind of you know i don't know just like give everything a a bit more of a a cohesive feel and and kind of you know like a translating it to tv but also b just translating it to like today um i don't know for whatever reason it made it all feel a little bit more uh grounded Mm mm-hmm but uh, what do we what do we think of uh, of Alex reading Journey to the Center of the Earth uh, right at the beginning? Do you think that was a good choice of book, or do you think they should have gone with something else? I don't. Was that, it, was that don't Alex? Think, no, it wasn't Alex. It was some random no. kid on the bus. But was it really? I, yeah. I thought it was Alex. Yeah. Oh well. The, the second I saw that, I started laughing. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 super tongue in cheek, and I kind of like that that they just like throw it out there at the very beginning, and then we kind of learn more about what's going on mm. um but i honestly that shot is what made me go like okay i think i'm gonna enjoy this like the first <laughs> shot because it just it just put me in such a good mood i was like oh man because they know like they know what the source material is so they know it i mean it's comics it gets really silly but i yeah. appreciate that they're able to balance that with like the super serious teen drama aspect of it all too Totally. Well, and and speaking of the the teen drama, uh, I I don't want to you know, let me put my hyperbole hat on. Uh, but I I do think that you know, in my opinion, I think that this is the the scenes in the high school, like the courtyard scene and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they might be the most realistic depiction of high school I've ever seen. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it it just it feels exactly like high school feels where. It's it's not exciting. 
You know, like high school is like really boring and and, mono- and like kind of like monotonous. Yeah. But, you know, you you see people that you used to be friends with. Like it just wasn't it wasn't over the top. It was very grounded depiction of high school. And I was just really impressed by the sort of uh, uh, there's like this this element of kind of sadness to it that also mm-hmm. feel rings really true to me. Uh, where, where like, there's something just kind of sad about high school, about, <laughs> about, about, you know, being a kid, but being forced to turn into an adult. Uh, and I don't know, there was just something about the tone of all the scenes in the high school that I was really impressed by. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I thought they were, uh, it was, it was, you know, and, and it was also like, it was just a, an, a really smooth introduction to all the characters uh like mm-hmm. in that setting as well i think that oftentimes that stuff can be really like kind of clunky and feel a bit forced to like you know say hey look at every single character doing their thing in their element yeah. and how different they are uh but th- th- i this felt like very very smooth and and uh cohesive mm-hmm yeah, I know that I was very hesitant about seeing the kids in, like, their natural habitat, as it were, like, the high school setting. Mm. Uh, but this, like Scott and Jason were saying, are, is, is very, felt very natural. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know. This is, like, teen drama that I can get behind. Because mm-hmm. I think the fact that a lot of teen dramas, like, glamorize high school in a weird way, mm-hmm. like, just rings really false. So I really liked that this was so grounded, like you guys are saying. Totally. I'd say if I, like, really, uh, you know, especially in the first episode, there was really only, like, one uh, criticism that I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, the, the only criticism that I, that I came away with is that some of the dialogue gets a little bit, uh, little bit hammy and a little bit uh, uh, too expository. Um, like I think ninety percent of it is is handled really well, but there are a couple of scenes where you're like, mm, maybe that do was. You a have little... a, do you have an example? Uh, there was one. So like right at the end of the the first uh, teaser, when uh, the the two guys that were trying to like save Destiny from the kidnappers, mm. uh, rather like one of them says to the other, she would have been safer with us. I feel like that was it was like one of those things where it was like it was for the audience, obviously. Uh, yeah. But certainly could have been like it, not something that that guy would have said to the other guy, considering they both obviously knew that since they were trying to save her. Right. Uh, and so, you know, yeah. like a, a smoother line of just like, you know, uh, if only she knew or like, you know, I don't know, like some random thing that's like a little bit uh, more subtle. But there was just like a few lines sort of peppered in there where I was like, oh, that could have maybe been a little bit more uh, more subtle. Um, I think I think. Uh, if they had not had that, I actually do think it would have probably improved uh, the reveal at the end. Yeah. Uh, not for not for any of us because we read the comic and we knew going in what was going to happen. Yeah. But, but for most uh, audiences. Right. Right. But for everyone else, I think not knowing that you know b- believing what Destiny believes, which is that the church is there to help, and yeah. then finding out, oh no, it's not. Uh, would be, I think, a bigger twist and a bigger shock. Uh, totally. So yeah, I I agree. And honestly, their body language at the beginning of the of the scene is very predatory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and it, it doesn't it doesn't really play that they were trying to save her. Like it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, it was it was a, f- a fun way of like you know introducing uh, the character of Destiny and kind of breathing life into that character that you know originally was was more or less a bit of a, a plot device or a prop mm-hmm. um, to kind of you know like in- introduce a backstory and and you know some reason to care and stuff like that. But at the same time, like I, it could have been executed a little better. Um, however, mm-hmm. that's you know that's really like my only criticism, and it's not very major because I think you know by and large this this pilot was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what, what did you guys think of, so, you know, as we kind of go along uh, in the episode, one thing that uh, that I was, you know, noticing was the scenes where uh, the kids are kind of starting to discover, like, their powers and stuff, um, mm-hmm. particularly uh, Molly and uh, Carolina. Mm-hmm. What, what were your, your takes on, on both of those scenes and kind of how they played out? I I really enjoyed both of them. Um, I... I liked the effects of of their powers, um, mm-hmm. and I thought it was interesting that they kind of let um, Carolina figure out there's something off with her so soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, because I know that going forward, like we focus on Molly a lot more. So I'm interested to see like in what way um, Carolina's powers are going to play out. Yeah, yeah. I and I also like I I like the the bracelet thing that they sort of threw that in early, but also haven't really explained much about it yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they they make it clear like she she has that one line where you know in the other scene that I found a little hammy, uh, the the line where she, um, says you know that she she's doesn't think she's ever taken the bracelet off. You know, and mm-hmm. then like having that be a very easy thing to be like, oh, you know, like. Uh, metaphorically speaking, that bracelet and that religion might be like holding her back and sheltering her, but also quite literally, uh, there's something going on there that's that's sort of holding her back. Um, right. And I, I'm curious to see, you know, how how similar that is to the sort of you know original uh, story there, or you know if they kind of diverge from that, like how they kind of tie it in with everything. Um, and then in this episode, was this the episode where they uh, showed inside her mom's uh, meditation chamber or whatever? Or was that next episode? Yeah, we, we, we see it for the first time. The uh, the 2001-esque uh, room with the yeah. uh, with the gas mask guy or whatever that is. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea what this thing is. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I, really? Do you? You have I, an idea? I assumed that it was her father. Oh. Hmm. I assumed that it was like the founder of the religion oh see and the the fun thing is too and i guess i mean i won't get too into it but like there is really there are a lot more similarities with the scientology thing uh you know in terms of if you know if you're talking about like xenu and you know whatever all the other uh things that go along with that like i I think i think you are kind of barking up the right tree there Cass, because there there is a yeah I, i i could definitely see see that as being what it is. That was my first thought, but I wasn't, I wasn't sure what to think of it. Okay. Well, I'll just assume that until proven otherwise, I guess. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so I, I am curious the, I guess to, to go back to the Carolina scene a little bit, uh, you know, the sort of like going to the party, the drinking, and then having the, uh, I think somewhat stereotypical, all, you know, albeit, you know, probably somewhat realistic, the, the sort of scene where like the two jocks kind of like take her and, and try to, to do their whole yeah. thing. Well, I mean, what do you guys think of that being like the the immediately following the sort of like discovering her powers? I don't know. I like for me there was there was like a weird thing about it to me, but I don't know. 
uh, I don't know. I, I again, this is probably more of a thing for Cass, uh, but but I I felt like one nothing happened, so that's okay. Uh, like like it's it stops before anything anything really bad happens, mm-hmm. um, and it does. It does sort of separate – it allows a moment for Chase to separate from his jock buddies and realizing right. that they're they're not actually good people and that he is – deep down, he is a good person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it allows him to separate from them and sort of go all in with the other runaways. Uh, right. And, and – yeah, it, it sucks that it had to it had to go down like that, but it is a very um, simple way that I don't think is uh, done in an unrealistic way, and and or done in a way that feels uh, gratuitous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in my notes, I wrote in all caps. I was really worried uh, because <laughs> that that moment in particular was very nerve-wracking for me because I was ready to, like, nope out of the show because uh-huh. I don't deal with scenes like that very well. Yeah. Um, though I... I'm... I understand why they they did it because it was a uh, a character thing for Chase, but I just wish that it... I don't know. I understand their reasoning, but I wish it had been handled a little better. Um, and I think it's interesting that both Molly and Carolina pass out when they use their powers. I don't know if that's like a connection or something. Uh, hmm. But it just seems kind of weird that both of them just get knocked unconscious. Like I, Molly, I understand because she's using like extreme amounts of energy, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm curious what like what caused that and if, if that's going to play a part in, in future episodes for Carolina because... Yeah, it was just like we've only seen her use her powers once, even you know, over the course of the three episodes. But you know, mm-hmm. really, this is the the only time we see it so far. Uh, and I, I am curious if that if that you know sort of exhaustion thing is going to be a, a continuing thing, or if there's a specific reason that they're going to uh, figure out for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, it is it is confusing because of uh, of Molly's issues with her powers. Yeah. Um, it makes it confusing. I think if Molly wasn't, if her powers hadn't been introduced yet, or if we hadn't really, you know, thought about it or I don't know, whatever Molly wasn't in the show. I, I would have assumed that Carolina was just passing out from like, you know, this is crazy, you know, like, Oh, be just being overwhelmed by her arms glowing. (laughs) Uh, but, but yeah, because of Molly, it does add uh, a weird, um, you know, line between those two characters that I don't know necessarily needs to be there. Uh, mm-hmm. it, de- it, it, it definitely confuses matters for sure. Absolutely. Another thing that I, I didn't necessarily like about, um, the Carolina reveal is like the, the very obvious, like, Oh, I might be gay thing. Like when she's yeah. watching the two <laughs> girls, um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Little, that little, whole little that awkward. whole section was just a little uncomfortable. I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll be totally honest. I think that that was there so that uh, Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage like really put a line in the sand to say like, you know, LGBTQ viewers, please don't worry, she's definitely gay. You know, <laughs> like be, because because I mean that's the thing is like you know she is a very 
popular character. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for many reasons, that being one of them. And I think it was important to really put it on Front Street and say, you're in good hands. We're going to treat her and we're going to treat this properly. Mm-hmm. But we don't have any other way to show that to without communicate just... communicate it yet, yeah. Yeah, to communicate that without just being like, okay, look, she's looking at girls and she's being wistful about it. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely not the strongest choice, uh, but mm. I think it was an important one. Yeah, I, I think that like, – because I understand completely their reasoning for both scenes. I just wish that they weren't back-to-back. Uh, yeah, because I think like, they it was like a very like, clunky section of the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I would definitely agree with that. I think at a certain point they were they were just like, we really need to get these kids together. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about Gert and yes. uh, Gert, and to a lesser extent, Chase. I find Gert to be one of the most real like Gert and probably Nico are probably the two most realistic characters on the show so mm-hmm. far to me um in this first episode Gert the thing that I love about Gert is that she is just this hardcore feminist and but she's young enough that it's almost like she's saying things without completely understanding them. And also she like contradicts herself a lot, yeah. you know, like, like she, she, you know, ta- she's trying to, you know, create this um, feminist group at school, but then she's like, <laughs> she's like really attracted to Chase, which those two things are not, they don't need to be, you know, mutually exclusive, but. Right. She doesn't it, know that yet. Right. She doesn't know that. And so like there's confusion there and that – I just find that so interesting. And then uh, is it Nico or Carolina who c- calls her out uh, in that conversation they have in the classroom about like, you know, you call yourself a feminist but you attack other women or whatever? Uh, it's Carolina because yeah, Nico yeah. doesn't really yeah. say a bunch. Um, it's just – oh, it's, like I just loved all of that and I loved how – uh, they're not just saying she's a feminist. They are saying like she's a feminist, but she's also still learning and mm-hmm. trying to figure out this whole thing. And she's dealing with her own just teenagery feelings totally. like, on top of on top of also intellectually wanting to be a feminist and understanding the importance of that. And just like balancing all of those things, it just makes her a really interesting character, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Some might sh- say she's, uh, you know, very forward thinking or ahead of her time or progressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, was a dumb, that was a dumb tease for all the fans out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I and I actually to to kind of uh, talk a little bit about the Gert thing too. I one thing I found was interesting uh, is that you know in this in in the TV interpretation is that Molly and Gert are you know basically adopted sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what was what was interesting is actually in in Brian K. Vaughan's original pitch for the comic book series, uh, Molly and Gert kind of had like this sibling like relationship that. Uh, it, you know, it would end up being that Molly and Chase had once the comic kind of came to fruition. Um, but it was kind of funny because it felt like that might have sort of been a, uh, in a way, an intentional callback to to the original mm-hmm. idea for the series, um, making Molly and Gert, you know, sisters that weren't sisters in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I thought that was really interesting and, and uh, a fun twist for for both characters because it kind of gives them uh, this sort of added layer of of. Uh, almost responsibility or just like uh, affection for one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Well, yeah. and it 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 adds an element because like one of the things in the comic is when they you know eventually run away. <laughs> um, in, in the in the comic, uh, they they bring Molly along because they feel obligated because her parents are part of everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, but, but Molly is like, you know, 10 years old or whatever, uh, 10 or 11 or something like that in the, in the comic. And here she's what, 14, 15, something yeah. like that. Something like um, that. Yeah. And, and so having them be sisters, I think makes more sense that they will eventually bring her along with them to, uh, wherever they're going to end up going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it it makes more sense. Like it's one thing to just say in a page, like you know, we have to bring Molly in a comic, but yeah. right. but but in a TV show, you know, especially a TV show that's playing itself as grounded as this TV show does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do think you needed a, a stronger reason, and and I think this works really well. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then. So- uh, I really like the only the only thing that I had left to talk about was the ending. But was what else do you guys have before we kind of get to that that little spot? Um, I will say that my two favorite scenes from this pilot were um, both scenes with that Nico was in. Um, yes, I really really loved the uh, the bathroom conversation between her and Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. That again just felt like high school, like random girls crying in the bathroom. Because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if it was just my high school, but there were a lot of there was a lot of tears. Um, no, totally, I, I enjoyed that. Too, <laughs> that was great. And speaking of tears, like I legitimately was tearing up when she was doing her like ritual on the beach, um, mm. trying to bring her sister back or like whatever she was trying to do, and it mm-hmm. just felt real to me, like in a way. That, like, I can't even imagine dealing with losing one of my siblings, but, like, her her grief felt, like, realistic to me, and I, like, really connected with that, and I thought it was really, it's a really sensitive, um like, portrayal of it, mm-hmm. and it, I think mm-hmm. it makes sense for her character to be, like, you know, like, lashing out and, like, not accepting of it, and, I don't uh, yeah, but yeah, I really no, like totally. those, those scenes. <laughs> Totally. I, I love Nico as well. Uh, I think that she is uh, kind of perfect. And I think that it's a very uh, honest depiction of that goth girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not it, 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 it's not, uh, you know, it's not the craft. It's not, you know, the the comedy that has like, you know, the the kooky goth girl in the background that's used for jokes. Right. You know, it's, it's not overblown. It, Right. It is, it is, it is, you know, a very honest depiction of uh, a young woman who is trying to deal with her grief. And this is how she chooses to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because there's, there's, look, teenagers don't know how to deal with their emotions. And, and <laughs> a lot of the times when they have to deal with something that's that big, they deal with it in like kind of superficial ways because it's the only way that they know how. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's what's going on here is that she's, she's sort of turning to this goth culture as, as a superficial way of dealing with her grief, you know, like she gets to wear black every day and, and things like that, like all of that. And it's not, and it's not the kind of thing where you are doing it uh, on purpose. You're not like thinking, uh, I'm going to be goth now. Mm-hmm. It's just that your interests 
change because you feel you have changed and you don't know how else to deal with what you're dealing with and you don't know how to relate to the other kids around you because they don't know grief like you do. Right. Yeah. You know? And so it's just it's it's a really just on just brutally honest depiction of that. Mm-hmm. Uh and and that's one of those things that I was talking about with with how the high school works uh in this uh in this show and it's just it's just so impressive. This is just such a such an honest depiction of of teenagers. Uh totally. it's, they they don't they don't feel like 29-year-olds, you know, pretending to be 17. Right. Uh it it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think and I I really like I said earlier, I I really enjoyed the uh addition of of Nico having a you know, a a sort of a sister who died um which, you know, it'll be interesting to see what those sort of circumstances turn out to be. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I, I liked that because it, it certainly adds something to her character and, and to the entire group that uh, makes them feel much more unified than, oh, yeah, we used to hang out as kids. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and it does, I think, shape their personalities in, in much different ways, too. But I also uh, and we'll obviously get a lot more of this in episode two, but the the hints of it are in episode one. Just the idea that all the uh, parents in the pride, they all kind of hate each other. Or oh are my annoyed God, by I can't wait other. to talk about yes. the parents. Oh, there's so much, there's it's, so much juicy stuff there. Oh, it's good. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about episode two, but uh, I, it, you know, it's first placed here. The ongoing joke about the Brie is just amazing. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so good. Um, um yeah, and I, I think that uh, this episode ended in a, a great spot. Like the cliffhanger was was super compelling, especially considering mm-hmm. that they knew that they were going to premiere the first three episodes on the same day. Like that, mm-hmm. I think that was a, a great choice to sort of have that very compelling ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, and we'll get on get to this on episode two, but the way that episode two is narratively structured. Uh, mm-hmm. not giving like necessarily a full satisfactory conclusion to this episode one cliffhanger until episode three really uh, mm-hmm. was yeah I don't know I I, th- I thought it was a stroke of genius in this uh, binge watching age and I just want to point out and this is just this is just a super minor writing thing but mm-hmm. I was very impressed by just the the simplicity of how they got them to find the hideout because originally they were all just, you know, in the comic, they're just bored and they're, they're like, let's go, let's go find out what our parents are up to. Like it just goes from, from nothing to let's investigate. Let's, you know, let's go Scooby-Doo our parents. Right. Uh, And, and this is, you know, just Chase getting up and being like, all right, I need alcohol. And, like <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go raid your dad's place for the Pappy Van Winkle. Which, by the way, great shout out because that is a three thousand dollar bottle of uh, bourbon. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I I was just really impressed by that, and I loved the coaster button. Like everything just felt very clean and simple, and uh, n- nothing felt you know overreaching to get us to where they were and the fact that you know it's not really it's a secret passage but they're not hiding in a secret passage they're like out in the open behind a soundproof yeah force field you know and it's the it's the flash that that gets them not uh, a scream yeah no i thought that was a 
it was it was some good little touches there to just adjust it. And I think I think uh, part of you know like the alcohol thing. I think that was one of the benefits of kind of aging up the characters just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, is you know it kind of gives you the ability to uh, you know to to kind of to to use some of those things as narrative tools and uh, you know and also obviously right. uh, amp up the sexual tension a little bit more. But, yeah. Yeah, I, and also, I really and also show Molly as like you know, kind of show that she's younger than everyone. Like she makes those James Bond jokes about <laughs> <laughs> like you're gonna want that shake and not stare. And he's like, I know. <laughs> oh, I I, I love the line. Like it's like we're not twelve anymore, and Molly's like, yeah, not even me. Like it's <laughs> yeah, so good. That's great. Uh, fantastic um, well i think uh, i think that's just as good a time as any to uh to kind of close out this episode and and foray it on over into episode two yeah i uh, want to remind everybody to uh go and follow us on social media we are at runaways podcast on twitter and instagram you can find us uh the runaways after show podcast on facebook and uh letters at runawayspodcast.com if you want to get a hold of us uh, or you can leave us a rating or review on iTunes because we love those things and we're super new. So, you know, the more of those, the better, right? Or something? Yes, please. Maybe? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll greatly appreciate that kind of love. Um, you can check out uh, Lord of the Rings Minute, uh, Spider-Man Minute, uh, The Doctor's Companion, all that other stuff at DuelingGenre.com. Uh, you can check out the Savage Land podcast and uh, Elsewhere Presents Sonic, the Sonic the Podcast just for fans on ThatMightBeCool.com. <laughs> it's always, I get I get so caught up on that title. It's so long and funny, but I still hate that title <laughs> only because I have to say it so much, but I love it when I look at it. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, check out all the stuff. I don't know. Is there any other stuff that you guys wanted to, to throw out there before we end this one? I don't, no, think, I don't so. think so. We're going to be back in, what, two days for the next one? That's a good plan. I like that plan. Okay. Stay tuned, <laughs> listeners, yeah. for the Runaways podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.